Hey, Oasis Church Chicago, Pastor JP here. Hey, we're so glad that you're joining with us on our podcast today. I pray today that this message stirs your faith, that it builds you up, that it draws you closer to the Father's heart, and ultimately that you just feel the embrace of heaven. We would love to stay connected with you and you to stay connected with us. So please feel free to check us out on our website, oasischurchchicago.com, or download our app, Oasis Church Chicago. Also, you can be sure to join with us on our live stream on our YouTube page every Wednesday night and Sunday morning. Now here's today's message. Before I start, I just want to bless this couple right here. Uh, how many of you guys know when, when you go after the kingdom of God, the kingdom of darkness does not like it? When you actually begin to do God's work and go after darkness and go after the things that are keeping people bound, the enemy does not like it and he will attack. And so I just want to pray for this couple right here. Um, who, who lead our house, who cover all of us, who have walked myself and many of us through difficult seasons, that the Lord would bless them, anoint them, continue to strengthen. We just want to release the angels of heaven over their home, that Titus would be guarded and protected, that he would grow up to be a man of faith, he would grow up to be strong, so can you just extend your hands to them? Father, I just thank you. God, we thank you as a church. We thank you as a house that you have set apart our pastors for a mighty work in this city. And we thank you, God, that you have marked out their days long before they began to walk them. You have set angels to guard against their home. To, 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 to guard and to protect. And so as a church right now, God, we just bless them. We ask for an increase of anointing over their home. We ask for greater faith to believe you for the impossible. And we bless them together today. We thank you for them. In the name of Jesus, we pray this. Amen. Amen. Guys, it's so good. It's so good to be a church that goes after the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Um, so over our six weeks, we've, we've been in this series on prayer, and we've been going through a number of, of different prayers. How many of you guys have enjoyed this? Yeah? Okay, that's like half of us. Thanks for the honesty, though. Yeah, it's great. Um, we've learned to adore, to listen, to confess, to intercede, and today we're going to go through uh, authoritative prayer. All of these other prayers are taking needs taking things in our lives and presenting them to God. And the question that I want to ask at the forefront today is, is there a possibility where God doesn't just invite us to take needs to him, but he invites us to release and establish the kingdom with his authority on the earth? You see, this, this, this doesn't bode well if, if, if the gospel is just about getting into heaven. If, if the gospel is just about forgiving our sins and getting out of hell free, what happens is, is that the gospel doesn't affect everyday life, right? But, but, but what Jesus does is he presents the kingdom of God as the gospel, right? When we turn to Mark chapter one, what, what, what is his first uh, rally cry? He says, repent and believe the gospel for the kingdom of God is at hand. 
And so if we have a conception of the gospel that is just, I get out of hell free and God forgives my sin, but Jesus doesn't affect my everyday life, there's a disconnect. How can we believe that God himself is going to be our all in all in eternity, but he doesn't affect the mundane moments of this eternity, of this, of this world we live in? So I want to encourage us, I want to invite us today to, 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 to press into that reality that God doesn't just want to forgive our sins. He wants much more. He wants to invite us to establish his rule and his reign here in Chicago. He wants, he wants the prayer here in Chicago as it is in heaven to become a reality. And you want to know how we know that? It's because he told us to pray it. Amen? Amen. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I would invite you to turn to Exodus 14, uh, verse 10. Someone knows where I'm going already, and they're just like pumped for it. I love that. This is how it reads. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you only have to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, this is great, why do you cry to me? Tell the people to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they go in after them. And I will get the glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts and his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that we've come in with all different sorts of situations. We've come in with all different experiences. We've come in with all different challenges and impossibilities. But that you are steady, you're constant, you never change, you don't lie to us. And so God, I ask right now in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Spirit, would you help us to see God, would you, would you open up our hearts? Would you open up our minds to be able to see the kingdom of God? That you're inviting us. You're inviting us to come and to, and to, and to co-labor with you. Would you do this work in us? In Jesus' name, amen. 
Okay, so for many of us, right, just a show of hands, how many of us have ever heard of the idea of authoritative prayer? Awesome, let's go. Okay, so I just want to define it. Simply put, authoritative prayer, we are releasing the will of God and commanding his will into a certain place, person, or situation. God invites us to wield the authority that he's given us in his son, Jesus Christ, never apart, that's demonic, to command the world around us to come into alignment with his kingdom whenever we see something that's out of order. Richard Foster in his uh, book on prayer says this, here we are not so much speaking to God as speaking for God. We are not asking God to do something. Rather, we are using the authority of God to command something done. You see, there, there, there are moments in our lives where we have to accept the reality of living in a fallen world. All of us are going to die. Amen? Some of us are like, ouch. Some of us are like, amen. <laughs> Sorry if that's new, new, new news to you. <laughs> Uh, right? Uh, sometimes God doesn't heal when we pray in faith. He just doesn't do it. Sometimes the people that we love run their lives into the ground as we try and try and try to reach out. And there are moments, though, when we catch the heart of God for a situation and something begins to stir in us and we are invited to release the kingdom of God into that situation. Now, before we go, I want to talk about authority, right? Because we can get really messed up really quickly when we start talking about God's authority. Um, the authority of Jesus has been given to us as sons and daughters as a gift. It's part of being adopted into God's family is that we actually have been given his authority. And that's authority that is uh, not in anyone else's name. It's not in anyone else's power. It's in him. And in, in, in the arrival of, of the kingdom of God, Jesus displays this authority. He actually models it for us, right? What does he say? I don't do actually anything by myself. The king of the world didn't do anything by himself. He submitted to the authority of his father. And he invites us as we're connected to him to do the same. And that's where the power is actually located. In the arrival of God's kingdom, Jesus displays his power as the king of the universe to disarm every demonic power in the heavenly and earthly realm, and then gives that very same authority to you and to me, his church. The gospel of the kingdom is that we get to partner with Jesus in seeing heaven come to earth. When Jesus sends out the 12 disciples, he does this very thing. How many, how many of you guys know, like, these disciples, these dudes were not smart. They were not, like, put together. They weren't, like, you know, like, educated or, like, sophisticated. They didn't, like, wear ties and walk around. You know what I mean? Like, none of that. Like, these dudes were, like, bozos. But you, you take a bozo and you put the Holy Spirit in him? Flip the world upside down. <laughs> we get to co-labor you weren't just created to, to do a nine to five 
If that's what you've believed your entire life, so that you just make, you just make money, provide for your family, like, that's not, that's not the kingdom. We were created to partner with him, to bring heaven to earth. So I want to teach on some, some basic points on this. Are you guys good? Okay. What we first see in, in Exodus 14 is that authoritative prayer recognizes the impossibility of the situation. Israel knew that God's power was the only way that they would be delivered. Right? Like in this context, they had just been delivered out of slavery, right? And they're standing before a mighty body of water. And you have all of these Egyptians, which in this time is the strongest known military in the, in the world, coming at their backs. And so, right, historically, what do we know about this situation, how it ends? If, 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 if the Egyptians catch up, all the men are going to be slaughtered, the women are going to be taken, and it's not going to be a good scene. You know what they got to? They got to a place of dependency. This is the place of desperation where uh, no boats are, are, are available. In our context, it's, it's where medicine can't help. Only God can heal. Where no program or institution that we can enroll in can fix what happened to us as little kids. Only God can mend. Where no city initiative can stop violence, but only an intervention of the Holy Spirit. Authoritative prayer recognizes that everything that is out of alignment in the earth can only be brought into alignment through the inbreaking of the kingdom. This is every twisted way of thinking, every broken sexual identity, every fatherless child, every angry and bitter parent, every disappointment over the way that our lives turned out, right? What the, what the Holy Spirit does in authoritative prayer is it takes the black and white stance that only God can fix it. But in our Western context, we have distracted ourselves to such a degree that we no longer have impossibilities. There is a drug or an app or a guy. When I say that, like, you know those people that have a guy for everything? <laughs> like my, my, my brother. You need your pants tailored? He's got a guy. You need to find an apartment? He's got a guy. He's just like, you know, we got a guy for everything. <laughs> but but, but in, our, in our context, right, there is no such thing as an impossibility because we have the resources of the world at our disposal. But when we choose to become disciples, one of the first things that we learn, Jesus talks about it in John 15, is that actually everything in the world apart from him is an impossibility. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And it's living under the illusion that we can do things apart from him. That's the impossibility. And in fact, every endeavor we have in life, apart from the person of Jesus, apart from being connected to him, actually has no value or meaning. That's what he teaches. And this is, this is, what we, this is, this is the, the rough truth we, we have to come to today. Oftentimes, we don't pray authoritatively because we are too distracted to recognize the desperate need for God's authoritative power. It's just a bad attitude. It's just the way I was raised. That's just, you know, how it is here in the city. 
I'm guilty. You know what I mean? Like, we have to come to the understanding that every issue that we encounter in the world is an issue that has been caused by the enemy. Every area of pain and destruction bears the marks of the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And from this place, we can begin to receive and catch that that we can begin to see uh, impossibilities from God's perspective. We can begin to see his heart for situations. And that's the second thing that authoritative prayer does is it recognizes God's heart for that impossible situation. As Moses sat there looking at this impossibility (laughs) with all of Israel going like, dude, are you serious? Like you brought us here. Can you, first of all, can you imagine his anxiety in that moment? (laughs) Right, like he led all of these people out of this. And they even said to him before, like, are you sure, dude? And he's like, yeah, yeah, God's on our side. And then they're staring at water and it's like, oh my gosh, what have I done? But look at what the Lord says to Moses. Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it so that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. The Lord looks to Moses and he essentially says like, why are you you asking me? I've already given you deliverance. You already know my heart. You know my will, right? Right? Because what, what does God do? He fulfills his word. And what was his word? That he would deliver them and bring them into a land. And so here, God is being faithful to what he had said. And so he knew God's heart for his people. I love how Pete Gregg captures this in his book on prayer. This is what he says. There is a strange thing that can happen when you really lay hold of God's promises and begin to see his intended future for a contested person or place. You start feeling indignant about the ways in which his purposes are currently being undermined and resisted. You move beyond the saying of nice prayers to a place of spiritual contention. Like Moses with his hands held aloft for hours on end. Or Jacob wrestling all night for God's blessing. This is the righteous indignation that God has spoken and I don't see it happening. It wells up within us as the people that we know and that we love and that we live with are being ravaged by the enemy. It is the indignation that the kingdom of God is actually being attacked. And this is the manifest heart of God for evil. Jesus modeled this. In Mark 1, when the, when the, um, the leper or, yeah, walks up to him, begging on his knees, it says that Jesus was indignant. He was angry that this man was bound. If you're bound today, Jesus is not happy about it. And he's not pointing the finger saying, like, how could you? He's mad that your soul is bound. There's a difference. And he invites us, knowing the heart of his father, to release freedom. In Matthew 10, we see the heart of God in Jesus' willingness to meet people's spiritual and physical needs. He had compassion on the crowds. He looked at them and he said, these poor people, they've been following me for days. They need a snack. 
Indignation, compassion, sadness, frustration is the, is, is the normal reaction we should have. It's the reaction of someone who is watching the kingdom of darkness claim territory that does not belong to them. The righteous indignation is stirred in us as a response to death and destruction, the, 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 the remnants of the enemy that is searching for people to take over. And when we get to the place where we understand that actually this isn't God's heart for a situation, this is what we begin to catch that he's actually inviting us to release his glory into that situation. And that's what authoritative prayer does. It releases the glory of God into a broken and seemingly impossible situation. See, the heart of God moves us to action. If we, there's a difference between having the compassion of God and feeling bad. There's a difference between feeling bad and being moved with compassion. Jesus models being moved with compassion. The heart of God always moves us to compassion, action. This is where we know the will of God. We know that death is not an option. We know that God does want to heal. We know that the enemy does not get the last word. And with the authority of all of heaven behind us, we begin to decree and declare the will of God into situations. We declare restoration into broken homes. We declare a restoration into broken bones, and we watch as the Lord does what he has always done. He invites us to wield this authority, right? Uh, fast forward in Luke, the disciples go out, they start doing ministry in the power of God, and they come back, and they're like, what? This is possible? This is possible. Actually, this is kingdom. And we have to come to reality that this is the kingdom of God. Okay, so I have this big section in my sermon now. Answer theological objections. Because I know some of you are sitting there and you're like, what, really? Isn't it wrong to presume that we know the will of God? No, it's not. This is what Jesus says, that the mark of a true believer knows what the Father is doing and what he's saying. That when we are connected to him, we actually know exactly how to pray. And we actually know the way to pray. He alludes to how people uh, who make objections to that very reality, they're actually demonic. If you have people speaking into your life saying that you can't know the will of God, get them out of your life. Because we are called to be connected and to connect others. And we can't connect others if we're not connected. Okay. Second objection. If God wants to do it, he'll just do it. He doesn't need me. You're right. <laughs> sure, but he's invited you to participate. And I've never met anybody who's satisfied in the kingdom of God who doesn't actually enter in to what God's called. So we can sit there and say, if God's gonna do it, he's gonna do it. The question is, is whether we will get out of the way whether we're going to relinquish our self-preservation, our unbelief, and be willing to be used by God to see this happen? Are we willing to be used to experientially encounter what we affirm in our heads? 
the last question is, what happens if God doesn't heal or answer? And we know, we pray. And we see the people that don't get healed. We're not, we're not saying that everybody gets healed. What we are saying is this. God doesn't invite us to entertain imaginative worlds. He doesn't invite us to sit and ponder the 15,000 different ways that this could go if I actually obey. He invites us to obey. He invites us to, to look death and destruction in the face and pray in the authority that he's given us and not ask questions about why or when or how or none of that. How many know God doesn't need us to defend him? He doesn't need us to defend him. He's big. He's strong. He does need us to operate in love. And if we, and if we don't, like, what are we doing? But God doesn't need us to defend him. God doesn't need us to explain to unbelievers why we prayed and it didn't happen. He doesn't need us to explain to cynical believers why we prayed and it didn't happen. He needs us to pray. Actually, he doesn't even need us. He invites us to pray. And this is where, this is where right? Like, oftentimes, we even hide behind that reality. We hide behind, oh, well, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't want to hurt this person by praying and then it not happen. That's actually our own self-preservation. That's not actually acting out of love. You have the answer. I have a friend. Um, his name's Titus. <laughs> he's, he's awesome. Um, and I, and I don't have a child, but I'm learning a lot about children. <laughs> One of the things that I've learned is that they don't care. Like, they actually don't at all. They don't care about your feelings. <laughs> they don't care whether you're tired. They don't, you know, they don't care if you've had a really bad day and you're not in the mood to give them what they want. They don't care at all. It's kind of funny. That's what we're supposed to be like as children. Titus knows that if he pesters me long enough, he says, Nick, kick ball downstairs. <laughs> he knows that I'll do it. He just knows. And that's, that's, that's a picture of how we get to be with God. We don't sit and calculate in his mind how or why or if he might be in the mood today. That's not being a child. He invites us to say, God, like you're the only one that I know that can do anything about this. Will you do it? Further, when we have heard his voice and we know that he wants to do something, we get to hold him to his word. If, if I tell Titus that I'm going to bring him a donut and I don't, <laughs> it's bad news. Right? And, and so we sit here as covenant children, sons and daughters, with the promises of heaven that have been directed at us. And God invites us to hold him accountable to his word. The question is, will we? That seems like audacious. We're all like, uh, do we really? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. This is what it means to be a son and a daughter in the kingdom. 
This reality that he actually will accomplish his word regardless of how I acted today. Regardless of what mood I'm in, regardless if I failed 15 times yesterday, he's still my father, he still loves me, and he will do what he says he will do. Amen? So I, I want to I wanna give us two cautions as we go into this. The first is that... Um, We, we need discernment. We need to know what God is saying. We need to know the, the, the voice of the shepherd, right? Discernment is the spiritual ability to know what's actually going on in the situation. Not what appears to be, but what's actually happening, right? And then we need wisdom. We need common sense to know how to bring a solution to a situation without bringing harm to a person. We need to be, uh, right, as, 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 as wise as a serpent, but as innocent as doves. We need to walk with every step with the presence of God in mind, being attuned to what he's saying, being attuned to, to what he's doing in a situation, just like Jesus taught us. And when we do that, when we operate like that, what does he say? You produce much fruit, I was, I was talking with a brother, uh, what was it, like Tuesday? He told me, um, you know, it's not, about, it's not about what I feel like. It's about what I'm producing. God calls us to produce fruit, not to feel good. Feelings come with fruit. Don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but we're called to produce fruit. And what does Jesus say? That the proof that we are disciples is in the fruit that we produce. Amen. Wisdom and discernment. And then we pray. We invite the Lord in. Worship team, you can come up. Um, as we say in our O group, we're going to do the thing now. And so I just want to, I, I, I want us to, um, to take a moment of reflection um, Oftentimes, God's stirring us to release his kingdom into situations, and we don't even realize it. We, we, we understand, right, that something in us is like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like that situation. But we don't really know that like, that's actually the prompting of the Holy Spirit to then release the kingdom, to move in power. And so I just want to give us a moment right now, and I'm going to invite some of the pastors and some of our prayer team up. Um, it doesn't, it's not weird to ask heaven to move. It's not weird. And we get invited right now to stand with each other in agreement. And so um, pastoral team, can we, can we come? And some of, some of our prayer team, can we just come up here? If you have, if you have a, an impossibility... And the spirit of the Lord is just on you right now. Yeah. We want to stand with you. 
And it's not this super like flashy, like when the presence of the Lord comes, you don't have to fake anything. So we just want to invite you. I feel like there's, and, and yeah, I feel like there's someone here with like an eating disorder and it manifests itself in self-obsession and self-hatred. And God wants to rip that out of you today because he loves you and he thinks so many better things about you than the, what you think about yourself. So whatever impossibility you have, whatever the impossibility is, we just want to stand in agreement with heaven because the word of the Lord is that who the Son sets free is actually free. That who the Son sets free is free indeed. Not bound, not a slave to sin, not a slave to my past, but free to walk in the fullness of life. Amen? This is the kingdom of God. And so we have, we have our team up here. Just at, what, at your own pace, whenever you feel, if you feel led by the Lord, we just want to stand in agreement. Amen? Amen.